Scott Barlow, more like Scott Bar High. We're going to get into why the bar is high for Barlow, uh, arbitration shenanigans, and all of the recent roster moves that have occurred on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Uh, you might have missed having me on. I think my cat has missed me more being on as she has gone crazy since uh, since I jumped back in here today. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown to get started. It's good to be back, but it's better to have things to talk about. I feel like I missed so much. I didn't get to to wade into explaining how depth works. Uh, I didn't get to talk about uh, you know first reactions to, to Cal, but uh, we we you know we'll we'll talk a little bit about the Cal situation. We'll talk, of course, about the Barlow, which had so many fun overreactions that we are going to uh, discuss. Uh, maybe not the overreactions, but explain why so many silly overreactions were wrong. And, uh, yeah, arbitration information, Laureano, and uh, Justin, why don't you take it from here? First of all, welcome back, Jeff. Good to have you back. Um, everyone thought you were out with uh, with cat scratch fever. I, I caught it <laughs> from the kitty know. next door. <laughs> Wasn't me. Uh, very quickly before we roll on to, so we're 113 subscribers away from 2,000 on YouTube. So if you are listening to the show on audio or anywhere else, uh, you know, we are free wherever you can get podcasts. YouTube is also free. We would love to get to 2000 before the end of the the calendar year. So if you can help us get there, that would be fantastic. Either subscribe if you haven't. Uh, if you have multiple accounts, subscribe there too. That counts or share with a friend. I, I was throwing out some ideas last week, Jeff, about what we could do when we get to 2K. I said we can either do just the full mailbag show or we can do, because I feel like our, our mailbag shows were like sometimes partial um, and then we, or we could just do some fan submitted topics. Like we just let people throw out the topics they want to hear that day. We can take some suggestions. So uh, we definitely will maybe a live stream. I don't know. There's a lot of things we could do, but help us get to 2K. We would, we would really appreciate that. And you'll get more ridiculousness like my cat right now. Yeah. Yeah. Doing some microphone, microphone acrobatics. That's cool. Uh, the trade though from Friday, which was, was crazy. I, uh, so we heard last, I think, trade deadline that there were some trade discussions going on around Enio De Los Santos and Cleveland were, was potentially thinking about moving him at the deadline, and they've had conversations. I don't know, I don't know if the Padres were one of those teams. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if they were. Maybe we heard Cubs specifically, but yeah. uh, they're always talking to the Padres because they always make all the moves to the Padres. So yeah. that didn't shock me, but what shocked me was Cleveland decided to – put all the money basically off for the, for the time being, they put all the money from Cal Quantrill's contract into Scott Barlow. And, and in doing so they gave up three more years of control, including 2024 and De Los Santos who would argue a bit of arguably, I don't know. He might not have gotten to 6 million his entire three years here. Uh, and it just let alone one year for Barlow. And then they, they got one year of Barlow at 6 million. And it's, 
look, it's definitely an upgrade for 2024. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I know some people have been, I saw some very bizarre comments thinking that, well, Dale Santos was our only consistent reliever last year. He was, he's our best reliever. And I'm like, he was fine. And he's even a I, even I said this. Free reliever. Yeah, he's a, he's a sixth or seventh inning guy. And he spent some time in high leverage. And I remember even saying, like, yeah, they should give him some high leverage and see what he does. Because at the time, you had some other warts in the bullpen going on. And uh, he was pitching very well. He had the immaculate inning and all that stuff. And they gave him a run at some setup, setup innings. And it didn't go great because it didn't go great for everybody last year. Barlow had a rough go of it in, in Kansas City, but the numbers suggest that he was getting unlucky. When he got to San Diego, that all kind of evened out for him. He's got a really good track record. And the stuff is good. There's a little more swing and miss in his game. There are some more control issues there, to be honest. Um, it's just interesting that they gave up three years. Look, they prob- my guess here is that De Los Santos was not as good last year as he was in 2022, let's be honest. So this was them selling high on De Los Santos, getting something while they could for him because they probably felt like he had probably peaked in terms of what they could do with him. And Barlow helps them in 2023 or 2024. And... Hey, if things go sideways in 2024, if things don't go well, uh, he ends up being a good trade asset for you, much better than De Los Santos would have been on the market next July. Yeah, because here's the thing. We know they shopped De Los Santos, and it just felt like they couldn't get much for him because guys who are more of a Tier 2 or Tier 3 type, he's a reliever. You just you don't get a lot. Like You're talking about you know probably in the 15 to 30 prospect range. So they had discussions. They know about what they could have gotten for him at the deadline. So why do you go and trade for Barlow? Why do you give up three years of control for one? Well, Barlow at peak is a really good reliever. Um, Yes, this was not his best year. His fastball is his weakest pitch. He has two really strong secondary offerings, but he comes in and gives you more of that back inning role that they need, right? Like with 99, listen, it's supposed to be 99, Stefan and Classe. And all three of those guys had struggles to varying degrees. So now it's Barlow, Stefan, and Classe. And they needed to bring in someone else they felt like they could trust in that role and they could go to. Okay, just to put it all together, for Scott Barlow, ERA plus is a flawed stat, but it's trying to take that whole idea of 100 average and balancing out. So he was at a 123, 113, 111, 188, 188. And then this year he's at a 99 because he had an 83 with Kansas City in the first half. Now 135 with San Diego. He was quite strong with San Diego, as Justin stated. So it is one year. And I liked the people I didn't like. I enjoyed people who somehow thought this was a salary dump trade. But if anything, it was San Diego salary dumping. It raises the ceiling of your bullpen. And if he, again, great point by Justin, but if he if his team underperforms, but Cleveland's able to fix a guy who, by the way, came up pitching in Kansas City, so we know terrible coaching and development, and then went to San Diego, and I love Ruben Niebla, but we still haven't seen signs of an increase and change in their issues with pitching development. So this might also be a guy where they see some things they can fix and improve, and half a year of a eighth or ninth inning guy is worth infinitely more on the open market, maybe not infinitely, but is worth significantly more on the open market than, um, you know, three years of a six, seven inning guy. It's just such a change. It's an exponential value shift that it's raising the ceiling of your bullpen. It's raising that bar. And then it's also um, 
you know, giving you potentially a better trade asset because yeah, he makes, you know, what, 6.1 by the deadline. It's only three and teams can absorb that a lot more easily. And he is going to wind up being, if he sticks on Cleveland, Cleveland's roster all 2024, I think he winds up being the, the highest paid reliever, right? Cause class a only get class yeah. A's deal only guarantees him 2.9. Stefan's only 1.6. So Scott Barlow is now the highest paid reliever in the bullpen. And look, this is a team that was not going to go out in the free agent market and sign a, a player, a reliever to this kind of deal. Like they they were not going to pay a Scott Barlow 7.1, which I will say, if some people will be disappointed by this, this probably takes them out of the running for Ronaldo Lopez. Let's be honest. And I think we all thought that was probably, I don't want to say a pipe dream, but it was kind of a reach because I think someone out there is going to go offer him a good amount of money, but Cleveland was not going to go out and spend this kind of money on a reliever. So taking the money away from paying Quantrill because you had six starters for five spots, even though depth is thin, as I talked about, and I know Jeff has thoughts on it as well. Um, this is an upgrade to your bullpen. There's a lot of layers to it. <laughs> it is very bizarre that Scott Barlow is going to be the highest paid reliever on someone's team in 2024, any, anybody's team, let alone Cleveland. Um, well, I mean, just reliever. He's not the highest, you know, like, <laughs> well, that's like, I'm sorry. That's I meant reliever. You yeah. know, he, he, he would have been probably the highest paid reliever in San Diego this year. If he had stayed. That's true. Cause they did lose, they are losing yeah. Josh Hader. So there is that to it. Just a very, it's very bizarre, but it is an upgrade for 2024. And there's a lot of options here. And they felt like this is a guy who like this is, this team needed to bring new blood into the bullpen. Right. And it's an upgrade over De Los Santos as good as as solid as he's been. Um, Barlow probably has a higher ceiling and a higher, maybe even a higher floor because he's got more experience. And this team really does need experience in the bullpen. Let's be honest about that too. This team is a, you've got all young guys in that bullpen. I know a couple of them now have gone through two seasons, but Barlow's been through it. And even though he hasn't been on any good teams, like he was on the Padres and they were, they stunk this year. Um, he was not on any of the good Royals teams, but he's still been a very solid reliever. And like we said, if, if this doesn't go well, very good chance Cleveland does something good with him. And, and relievers always play well on the trade market because everybody is looking for bullpen help. And you weren't going to get this. Even if you trade it, let's say that the things went bad in 2024 in the bullpen, you could probably get more for three months or two months of Scott Barlow than you could, for two two and a half years of Daniel De Los Santos, just because of how much how much better reliever Barlow probably is, and especially if if Cleveland does find some things that they can help him improve, which you know I you know you trust their 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 pitching side of things for sure. Yeah, well, it's again a, they have made a lot of hay. I know we have to run to break uh, to use an outdated expression. They made a lot of hay getting pitchers from San Diego and fixing them. So. That's also something to just keep in mind. They sure have. Well, we got to get to the other end of the Cal Quantrill deal, who they ended up getting from San Diego in the first place. Ramon Laureano's back. Uh, We'll talk about Cody Huff, all that good stuff coming up. So stick with us. Before we get into all that, it is still a very good time to get in uh, with FanDuel right now, this NFL season. America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers can get a $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team and your Moneyline bet wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, this is a very good time to get in on the action. The Browns beat the Steelers 
with uh, Duran Thompson Robinson. DTR. We're just going to call him DTR. Browns won that game in their matchup next week against against the Broncos. So generally, this is a team that allowed a ton of points to the Dolphins. The Dolphins are, are much better than the Browns. But uh, the money line bet might be interesting for Cleveland going on the road. If you don't like that money line bet, or you're still like money line bets in general, uh, the app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. And before we get into the next topic, too, I want to let you know about the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube uh, that Lockdown has launched. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. So if you're hearing more about Major League Baseball on the whole, we've got that covered for you. And the big topics of the day, I'm sure they'll cover the Aaron Nola deal that just happened. Uh, go to Lockdown <laughs> after you're finished listening to Lockdown Guardians on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Their no deal was uh, very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's been funny watching the Braves fans and the Phillies fans fight because it's all thing like, you know, um, you know, Braves fans, uh, like what, you know, both sides get mad when players from the opposing team uh, signs team friendly contracts. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that Nola left some money on the table to stay in Philadelphia, but you know why wouldn't you? And much as I think Dave Dombrowski does a terrible job building a farm system, he does a lot of other things uh, very well. So, well, I think the Cody Huff thing, or the, the Quantrill thing, we can get into later because Cardinal for Cardinal. Yeah, some some Stanford for Stanford deal there. But uh, so Ramon Laureano was the lone player who, for right now, is not. They're not going to exchange our figures with because they signed him to an actual deal. So he was. Can they still? In the, can rights. they still? Or is everyone else? I'm always confused with ARB. Are they now locked into arbitration with everyone else, or um, they can no, still negotiate can, right up until yeah, the point? You can offer. You can offer any contract at any given time to try to avoid arbitration. So they it can was go like to a few years where they had nobody, where they like refused to go to arbitration. And I think it's because of what we've seen the past few years with some players feeling um, mad about how those, what comes out in arbitration. Yeah. It's not pretty. It's that Corbin Burns last year, right? That was the the big one. Yeah. There's a reason that you don't want to go. I mean, Cleveland had a streak there until they got to like Vinny Pistano and they went to, I don't think it went to arbitration with Josh Tomlin, which was weird, but I think Vinny Pistano broke that streak in like 2012, but they hadn't gone to arbitration with somebody in like 20 years until Vinny Pistano broke that streak. And they've gone to it. A few times now, but I know they generally like to avoid it. I would bet that they'll avoid it with everybody, maybe outside of like Naylor. I could see Naylor getting to arbitration, but that's just me uh, speculating. But Ramon Laureano for sure is avoiding it. So MLB Trade Rumors had him at 4.7. I did think at one time it was it was equal to uh, uh, Miles, Miles Straw. Who was it? I said it was going to be. Oh, it was Cal. It was Cal. I thought it was on the same level as Cal, but his projection was uh, 4.7. They gave him 5.15. So yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. Because yeah, last year they, they brought everyone in under. They did. So I'm assuming Cleveland probably felt that they were going to get to five with him on, on the arbitration hearing anyway. And um, very interesting now that he actually is going to be paid more than Miles Straw this coming season. It's going to be close. Miles Straw is projected or projected is his uh, 
minimum guarantee this year is 4.9 million. So he's getting paid more than Miles Straw. And I, I mean, okay, if, if, if he had gotten his projected 4.7, it's not like he was making much less than Miles Straw, but I do find it interesting that he is, uh, he is now making more than Miles Straw. I don't, I don't know how to take that right now. Um, definitely don't think I see a lot of this other places too. I don't, I feel like you're not giving Ramon Laureano that much money to sit on the bench and have 300 at bats, right? Like you're not paying him that much money for 300 at bats, right? No. And I mean, at the rake rake at the risk of hopefully he rakes, hopefully rakes at the risk of a, you know, Kareem Garcia uh, off season chatter again, you know, he did perform well. He had like the third or fourth best OPS on the team after he was brought in. Uh, he does have some pop. He does he has good physical tools. He's not necessarily a great defender, but he's got a heck of an arm. And, um, you know, he, he can do a lot of things nicely. It certainly feels like, at least to me, that this sets up for him to be an everyday guy or just about, you know, that he is going to get every opportunity to see, you know, if he can perform here. And especially with the way... Um, the TV money is looking this might be your outfield upgrade. Unfortunately, Um, if, especially if they're not going to have the ability to trade from depth because they have no depth. Um, (laughs) And we know free agencies is full of a bunch of 35 and 36 year old outfielders. Uh, This is kind of where they are. Yeah. Loriano was plus. He was an even zero in outs above average last year. I actually expect him to be a lot better. So he's he's a good it's, defender in right still, and he is, looks yeah. like he's a little below average in center field. Yeah. Um, but you're right, great arm. Still a very good instinctual player as well. I mean, this is a guy – This is a, I, think, I feel like he's a nice safety net, right? Because is he a guy you want to get 400 at-bats? Maybe not necessarily. If you could find someone better, that'd be great. But – you know, the way things have gone with Miles Straw and if someone gets hurt or things just don't pan out well with whatever else you've got going on, whether it's Will Brennan or, you know, Oscar Gonzalez or uh, George Valera or Jonathan Rodriguez, like he's a, a nice fallback option because you know you can play him in right comfortably. He can handle some center field. He runs well. He walks. He has a little bit of pop crushes lefty so like there's a defined role for him there so he's kind of like a safety net and i think five million is a nice safety net to have um it just depends on how they're going to address it otherwise because are they going to i don't know i certainly didn't expect them to turn moving cal quantrell's contract into scott barlow and they did that so we'll see what else they do from there maybe there's another, another move they make to free up some salary to pay Ramon Laureano, but I mean, there's still certainly upgrades to be made, but I kind of feel like he's just a nice safety net to have where if, if you can't make any other moves and the thing is, if you don't make other moves, Laureano is not going to upgrade the outfield to the point where you're a playoff offense. I don't think, but he's a nice like depth option to have on your team at, at and, you know, get, 350 at bats if you feel like paying five million for 350 at bats yeah i just i think it's some degree an indictment of how bad the free agent outfield market is like there isn't going to be really like a 
an Eddie Rosario or a, you know, even last year, it's like the Josh Bell, Mike Zanino level. That doesn't exist. Like there, we could make the case for Lourdes Goreal, but he might end up going higher because he's like one of three guys who's not 30. Literally the, the majority of this group are guys who are 34, 35, 36. Like, and is there that much difference between Loreano and Adam Duvall, who's someone else I liked? Like more power with Duvall, maybe a little bit better defense, but like 35 hits lefties, maybe more of that. Like, and he'll probably get a contract more than Loreano got. So it's it's just I feel like it's going to be hard to go out there and and figure a way to upgrade the outfield externally. It does feel like they are hoping that like. Loriano works and that one of these young kids steps in. Right. It gives you an opportunity to platoon Brennan against lefties and then slide him over to center field again. Whenever you end up doing mile straw, I guess we'll, we'll figure out how that goes. Everybody else is back for now. They tendered contracts to Beaver, which no surprise. Naylor, Bethancourt, uh, who, who joined the arbitration pool at 2.3 million projected um, 99. Mackenzie, Henches, Sandlin, all tendered contracts so they could all come back. Cleveland could all still trade them too. They don't have to, they're not locked in for next year. If anybody might be curious about that. So it's all just the guarantees that they are still retained by the team. They can go to arbitration with them. So any of them, you know, they think it's still happening. They can still move on from a number of ways. They don't, before arbitration happens though, if for whatever reason another trade or anything happens and they decide to move on, they can waive those guys and then arbitration goes away, right? It's still not a commitment of a contract until arbitration is officially done and a contract is signed. Yeah, they have to actually yeah. have a contract filed. So if they waive them before arbitration gets there, then... Yeah, so if anything were develop, because all of that happens um, after like the Rule 5 and the winter meetings, right? So there's, there's yeah, still... most arbitration cases I think are like January or something. Yeah, so just saying that like that's after free agency, a lot of things can still happen. Uh, the fact that Loriano is the only one who they like Loriano getting hashed out early does mean something. Um, and not to say that they're going to be letting Bieber or anyone go, but it, I I do think that is just something to keep in mind. It is. Uh, what still is to be determined is uh, what Cody Huff. Uh, might look like that was the return for Cal Cronster. We'll talk about his addition. And if we have time today, we'll, we still want to get to those Rule 5 eligible players on Cleveland's roster. We will get to it before the Rule 5 draft happens. It just, hey, when news happens, it's uh, much more pertinent and easier to talk about. And we kicked that can down the road the other day, but we still got a lot of good things to talk about. Not surprised that there wasn't a huge market for Cal Crunch. I mean, the only reason they obviously designated him was to sort of set a deadline on that. And if teams wanted to trade for him, kind of give him a deadline. And, and that I'm not saying that raised his value any because teams are still going to pay what they're going to pay for him. But by if you're going to trade him anyway before the tender deadline, you open the roster spot instead of instead of uh, DFAing somebody else, which it could have been Alfonso Rivas. And I mentioned this last week. You hang on to Alfonso Rivas because it gives you a roster spot to play with. He's roster fodder. How many times have we said roster fodder on the show? Alfonso Rivas is roster fodder. He's a guy you can pass through waivers later in the offseason when you need to make another move. So they were not going to tender Cal Quantrill a contract anyway. And obviously they were trying to make calls on him and get tra- and 
get trades made for him and it wasn't happening and they didn't like what was happening. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying the, the DFA raised his value, but at least put a deadline on it. So if a team really wanted to trade for him before he hit the free agent market and they could have signed with anybody, you at least put that deadline on it. But I'm not surprised that a, a guy who's going to be 23 here soon that played an A ball last year was about all they can get for him. And I'm not saying Cody Huff's not like worth it, whatever. Like he was a good defensive catcher. He was Baseball America's Cal League Defensive Player of the Year or Catcher of the Year, whatever. So that's a fine return for who he is. One of those things I want to talk about too is when a player is designated for assignment, they're not put on waivers. You can you put trade, that you can at trade them first. First. So I, I see I had a lot of people out there saying, like, well, Colorado was at the top of the waiver line. That doesn't matter. Like anyone could have submitted a trade. Like the waiver process hadn't begun. So this was not like, oh, Colorado claimed him and a trade was no, this was literally the best offer on the table from any team. I saw a lot of people thinking, oh, I thought, you know, this team would have offered this or this team. This is what they got offered. And Cody Huff, he got a uh, full freight in the seventh round where he was taken, but he was still a seventh round pick who is going to be 23 at the end of December. And Colorado, I don't know why Colorado is slow playing guys like this, but he spent the whole year in low A in a hitter friendly environment and, and barely was league average. That's all really negative no signs. No power at all. The like the, a different power. Yeah, yeah it, it's a power hitting park, and he didn't have any. Uh, the walk rate is there, but walk rate in low A, we've talked about those tend to evaporate. Like the pitching is so bad, an advancer like him should walk around ten percent of the time. Uh, I think. Sorry to you know any Cody have family out there. I think he's just organizational depth. Like they like having, you know, he's the son of a scout, Tim Huff. He is probably a future coach. But he is very old for a guy who has never played in high A. Uh, he should go right to high or double A next year. I probably he might be a backup next year in system if Cooper Engel starts the year in high A. Huff is a backup unless you push someone else to double A. Uh, he's an interesting player. He's not a top thirty guy, but it just speaks to again the return because I just I, I want to highlight that point again. There was no waivers. This was the best piece. Uh, a guy with high contact rates and great defense. There isn't so yeah, it's a good defensive profile. I mean, again, if you baseball, there's not a lot of good defensive metrics publicly for uh minor leaguers. The one place, especially for catching, that you can say is at least worth looking at is baseball perspectives. They generally have um you know good defensive metrics that you can see publicly, especially on catchers. And for his level, Huff was very good. He was the best catcher in the Cal League. And Baseball America there had him as the best defensive catcher in that league. It's voted on by coaches. So um, the same coaches, you know, who voted Yanni Diaz as the best yeah, defensive best. Base. <laughs> <laughs> We remember that historically. Don't, we, we don't forget that one over here. But, uh, yeah, so coaches think that Cody Huff can play. I, I mean, I, I've seen some stuff on Twitter. I've seen some video. Um, Basically, the ceiling is Cam cool. Quantrell or Cam Quantrell. Cam Gallagher. I'm combining players. It's, it's more yeah. Mark White yeah, moments. It is. It's Cam Gallagher. Yeah. I mean, essentially yeah. you're hoping he's, uh, is Cam Gallagher where the defense is strong and there's, there's probably not much bat there. And there are guys that have made that into major league careers and that might work out for Cody Huff, but the defensive tools are definitely there. Yeah. They're, they're betting on would, contact skills and defense. I am lower on him than you. I, I think he's minor league depth. That that's my view. Yeah. He very well could be. I mean, I, for me, I would start Cooper England double a next year because 
there is nobody at double a worth playing over him at this point. Like, and here's the thing to remember about, about minor league catchers in Cleveland or anywhere really for the most part is that um, nobody plays full time. Like unless you have a bow nailer or Ralphie Velasquez, which you know we'll see what happens there. If he stay, you know, our, we've said this over and over again, you hope that Ralphie hits too much to stay a catcher um, is, is the really the upside you're there. So, if you're not one of those guys, which Cooper Ingles not, Cody Huff is not, there's nobody. It's it's Ralphie Velasquez, and then it's a bunch of other dudes. So there's really nobody in the system that you want to. You really have to play six days a week or five days a week. So Cooper Ingles should go to Double A for me, and then in Lake County you can easily have Cody Huff playing with, you know, whichever guys you want to play there from from Low A last year with him, and he can still play um, three or four games. One of the you know, it, it, or is it like him in uh Tincher, you know, in, in low A to start the year? Because Tincher, yeah. you know, I know he he got hurt maybe, he just kind of disappeared, but you know, he was an yeah. extremely accomplished college catcher as well. And maybe those two just work at that level um at the start and then one can move up. Uh, you know, I agree with you. C- Cooper Engle, they're just never rarely that aggressive. I would love to see that. Um, but I, I Tincher. Well, I don't know who's going to catch Double A next year because look, Michael Berglund. Berglund. He's going to be twenty-seven. Uh, we, we we talk. I mean, as of right now I, in Triple A, you know, there's nobody else. Right now in Triple A, you have no. Brian Lavastida and nobody else. So Berglund yeah. should go to Triple A to be Lavastida's backup in Double A. You've got nobody, so it, it's easy to see playing time here. But you know we're 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 at the end of the show. We're talking about how much playing time Cody Huff is going to get next year. Like you said, best case scenario, playing time. Yeah. yeah, but the best case scenario is he's a backup, and uh, this team needs the catching depth. They really do. There's not they've invested in some international catching and hasn't really popped yet. Um, but before that, it was it was Cooper Ingle. Like this year, it was Cooper Ingle and Johnny Tincher and Ralphie. And before that, it was Joe Donovan and Zach Fascia and. Uh, Michael Berglund like that was that was the extent of their investment so they needed catching depth regardless so um yeah no it's an interesting it's an interesting ad and again I just want to stress there's something they really like there maybe there'll be more to it um I've got you know I hated the class a deal when it happened Uh, I can just be honest about that I get some things wrong maybe this will be a situation I I'd always rather be wrong in this situation um, but what we are not wrong about is having great fans, great listeners, everydayers out there um, commenting in the comments, having fun with inner uh, April Peterson is name that has been popping up a lot coming up. We are going to finally get to the, the extra rule five names, I think is written in. I don't want to say in stone for tomorrow's show because then something, well, I will say written in stone. So then something big will happen to keep pushing that down. Ooh, I like that. Uh, I like that. But and- we, we got to do our series on uh, who the Guardians could trade for from every yeah. team, and, and and maybe the White Sox. Even the White Sox are kind of uh, selling, so we we should we at least have to discuss it at some point this off season. Hundred percent, and we will have many more discussions. And make sure to uh, tell a friend, rate and review, give us the little thumbs up at the bottom, hit the bell, all those good things. Thank you for joining us every day. Help us get those two K subscribers and go go Guardians. Go, go to 2K subscribers right now.